You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring you all the casual conversations on the shows and concerts and events and films that we see and observe throughout our careers. We're giving you a little bit of a spoiler warning that this episode will feature spoilers about what we're talking about. So you can listen on if you'd like, or you can pause and go see what we're talking about and then come back and take a listen. But we're just letting you all know that you have been warned. Today we're talking about the brand new Broadway musical K-Pop, which is playing at the Circle in the Square Theater on Broadway in New York City. A little bit of the background on K-Pop, uh, it is produced in association with Ars Nova. Ars Nova had an off-Broadway run of this musical a few years back, and now it has made itself to Broadway. It has a book by Jason Kim, music lyrics, music production and arrangements by Helen Park, music and lyrics by Max Vernon. It is choreographed by Jennifer Weber and direction by Teddy Bergman. So we are seeing a lot of really great things this season and of all styles and walks of life, right? We're seeing all backgrounds and cultures and, and, and plays and musicals and everything in between. And first of all, anytime I see something in Circle in the Square, I always think, oh, immersion. I'm always, I'm always like, okay, we're going to be surrounding the stage. Not every Broadway house is like that. So you only have a few really that do that if... Circle in the Square being one of them. Circle in the Square also being one of the smallest Broadway theaters. So just taking that into mind going into this, I kind of already knew we were going to be in some sort of immersion. And before we, I get your opinion on this, mm-hmm. I know a few people who saw the Off-Broadway. For those of you listening, uh, Jeff and I have not seen the Off-Broadway. Our first experience with this musical was this Broadway production. And some people said, oh, it's so interesting they're doing it on Broadway. And I said, oh, well, a lot of things transfer from off-Broadway to Broadway. And some people said, no, like it was really immersive off-Broadway. Like, but it's going to be in Circle in the Square. We're going to be in the round. No, no, no. Like, just go see it first. And then I'll tell you a little bit about the off-Broadway. Some people had said that to me. I said, okay. Um, so we kind of went in not knowing anything about the off-Broadway production. And I, I'm knowing a little bit about K-pop music, but I don't normally listen to K-pop music on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some big hits. Um, but I think that it was interesting just kind of going in, not knowing anything of the, the off-Broadway, seeing this, and then learning what it was off-Broadway. Mm. So I don't know if you feel the same way or not about your experience going in and then what you learned after. But what were your, just some of your overall thoughts on this musical as a Broadway musical in general? Well, I'm going to say a few things uh-huh. first. 
that surprise this is a double episode because we're going to be talking about k-pop music as a whole yes as well so we're getting a little and broadway and a little pop we're going to do we're going to do the broadway show and we're just going to kind of talk about how k-pop the musical and k-pop in general kind of really intertwine with each other which was a cool thing to kind of learn about i uh for me let's see i enjoyed some of this, I wanted to enjoy a lot more of this for this K-pop musical. I actually kind of wonder if it needed maybe a little bit of an out of town after the off-Broadway version of K-pop, um, because I still think it needed some things to get worked out as an overall show. And I wonder, I mean, we kind of saw this in early previews, right? right. So I, I I, hope it hasn't changed a lot since then because we've seen things in previews before and things change after. So you know, whatever we're talking about today may have already changed. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I would say what I learned after about the immersive experience that happened off-Broadway, I kind of feel like I would have loved to have seen. Because I think there's a lot to unpack there, especially in the K-pop industry, that I feel like a lot of Americans don't really feel like they know a lot about the industry. And what I think that this show is trying to do is kind of shed light on that and kind of explain more to the American culture what K-pop is. I just don't know if they necessarily hit the mark. Well, I always say that there's there's room for everyone on Broadway and everything and every genre. And there's always room for things. So to see this in the mainstream Broadway light is remarkable and wonderful. And I did like some of the songs. Yeah. I did like, I really loved the choreography actually. Yeah. And, and when you talk about trying to tell a story, part of me feels like the, you know, the, what I actually remember the most from this Broadway production was the lighting and projection. Yeah. Extreme heavy use of lighting and, and sound design. They wanted you to feel like you were kind of locked in this space where you couldn't get out. Uh, We're going to flash things in front of you. We're going to show you behind the scenes. A cameraman's walking around. We're going to stop, edit, wait, let's do it again. You were in it. They tried to make you feel like you were in it. So while part of me was like, thought that was impressive, there was a part of me that feels like that was masking other problems with the production. And throwing projections and lighting and sound effects in my face made me, and I don't mean this with disrespect, but made me feel like I was at some sort of a, amusement park attraction mm-hmm. like when you go to disney world right and you go to some of these like um for any disney fans out there i'm going to refer to like that old alien thing in okay. magic kingdom where you would go in and oh the alien got loose and and you're a little kid and you're like <laughs> the doors are closed behind you wait wait we got to get the alien up. And, and you think you're immersed in this alien tank you know that's kind of how i felt with this like stop 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 wait okay let's start again and and i was like And I wasn't buying it Mm -hmm. for a long time because when you're looking up at a projection screen of what's apparently, and I use air quotes here, going on backstage, are we led to, are we supposed to think that that's happening backstage eight times a week live or are we realizing, oh, that's pre-recorded and they just play the video at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like in the off-Broadway there was that you traveled from room to room seeing the different departments of putting this together. And I'm sure it was all live. You were going to the behind the scenes. You were going to the front of the house. You were going to these different rooms for us to not literally go to the rooms makes me feel like this is a little gimmicky. 
Yeah. Like we're gonna say, okay, now they're gonna stop the action on stage. We're gonna sit for five minutes and watch a video. I don't know if I buy that with a Broadway ticket price the way it is, and to do that multiple times, and for us to believe that that that's really happening. And listen, maybe it's actually really happening live backstage, but I didn't get the feeling that it was. Mm. And the lighting and the flashing and the and the dancing seemed to just really mask some of the a little bit of the book problems and some of the acting issues and some of the plot development for me anyway. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way about that. I do. I just think, yeah, I want to go into something here Uh and kind of like kind of dive into this and unpack the show a little bit, because I think there are things that work the more knowledgeable you become about the k-pop space uh-huh. and i wonder if like by the end of this you feel different by uh-huh. the show or if you're still gonna have uh-huh. your same well i know feelings. i know what they're trying to say yeah and like you said earlier it was the way that it was being told wasn't quite jiving so what's interesting that i find in the k-pop world is k-pop kind of comes and we're gonna move into this like pop background here mm-hmm. the k-pop comes from this mtv generation of in Korea, they're like, okay, we see MTV, we see these hip-hop stars, we see these pop stars, they're coming up, they're huge in the 90s, New Kids on the Block is a great example of what kind of K-pop has kind of stemmed from, Spice Girls, girl groups, boy groups, and they called themselves K-pop idols. Uh-huh. And an idol is a boy band, a girl group, or a solo artist that is carefully curated into the next big trend. So when you're going in through the industry of K-pop, they're like, okay, we're going to have you here and we're going to teach you how to sing, dance, give you your look, give you the songs you need to be singing, all of these things. And I think that kind of that development that was happening there is like, okay, K-pop. So what I think... um, what's his name? Jason Kim Mm. was like, okay, let's take this and let's kind of build the story about it. And I think with that, we have this off Broadway production and they, he's really trying to show you what it is like for a K-pop idol to go through each thing. So you have to watch them dance. You have to watch them sing. Okay. We're going to brand you now. And it's so interesting because I feel like we have those conversations all the time about like, Oh, what is it like to be a pop star today? Mm -hmm. And I, when I'm hearing about this stuff with K-pop, I'm like, Oh, okay. This is like nineties pop. When we were growing up, you had record labels like Jive records who had pumping out stars like the Backstreet Boys in sync Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, all these people are getting pumped out through Drive Records, and they're curated, they're put together. Most people probably don't know this, but NSYNC was literally put together. They weren't friends before. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing in this K-pop world. It's like, and you're watching them. They're wa- You're watching them in the show, and they're like, okay, I want to be a star. I just want to be a star. It's me, me, me. Mm-hmm. But then they have to remember that they're part of a group, and they have to figure out how to work together so that they can get to superstardom. Yeah. And I found that when I learn more about that, because I I don't don't know much about K-pop, but there are people in America kind of – there are K-pop groups coming through to America now that are kind of just like taking off. You have groups like Blackpink and you have groups like BTS. And even 
think back to someone like Gangnam Style when that came out. Those are huge things that happen in America. So it's interesting to be watching this now. Yeah, I think for when we talk about immersion and we talk a little bit back to this Broadway production now, we talk a little bit about the immersion of it. When you're doing something so immersive and you're bringing it to a proscenium style stage or a thrust stage in this situation, when I look at a production like POTUS, Mm-hmm. Where I have to see multiple rooms of the White House and I revolve a set, which mm-hmm. I thought was an amazing set, and we were brought into different rooms without moving the audience. Yeah. That is a prime example of how this could have worked. It could Revolve the set or make different parts of the theater different rooms. Maybe have something going on on the stage left or the house left, house right, house center. There was only person, once or twice people walked through the audience. It wasn't immersive enough. And if you're going to transfer it to Broadway and you're going to make that leap, then I think what you really need to do is you need to focus on how do you translate it. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm here, I've heard of people now seeing this and seeing off-Broadway like, oh, it's not translating the same way. So tell the story, listen to the history of this, and speak the the words of what we're trying. I, I totally love that and get that. But in, from a theatricality perspective, please don't dumb me down with flashing strobe lights and f- smoke and mirrors, literally, no pun intended, because that's what I felt like I was just being dumbed down yeah. by, like, let's just flash things in front of you and let's just and do some great dancing and singing, which is great. The dancing and singing is great, but the book scenes to me were really flat, mm-hmm. really flat, and, and there was some... And I think this was maybe something they hopefully ironed out a little better. There was some awkward applause moments. Are we supposed to applaud here or right. not? It's kind of a director's job to make it clear when a scene is starting and ending and when we're moving in. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about this really from a theatrical perspective, and I just don't know what's gelling from that I, perspective. But to, right, and I'll talk about it from a theatrical perspective as well. I do agree with you that in terms of having a full book yeah. added to this, it's still missing. Yeah. I you can't just come up with this this sense of okay we're going to do a documentary style musical because one it's already been done multiple times it's getting very played we're seeing it a lot and I don't we're necessarily know if that is a reflection of the culture I don't think like I would like to praise a few things here about this because it this is the first musical about Korean culture yeah, which is amazing stage. And, and that's it's important. done by almost an all-Asian cast, which is great. But what I, I find, that's all perfect here. And then we're adding a silly storyline here about, what, the American man that's recording the show? Yeah, and they, and they do try to bring light to issues of racism in the industry, issues of sexism in the industry. And I understand that, and I think that's important to tell. However... When we're focusing on Luna, who's the who's very talented. She's a very, very talented. She could totally be keep singing throughout her career. And but when I look at that and I say, okay, then we're looking at the all-boy group, the all-girl group, and Luna, and we're, and we're bouncing back and forth between these three different sub-stories. I'm thinking to myself, you've lost me. Because I think I would have rather seen one of those stories told full flushed out. Like, what if it was just about Luna's story? And just about that journey. Well, it and was it, mostly just about Luna's story. Yeah, the other but was, two but, were more about but it was opening all, up for her because yeah. because it's like okay, the storyline in 2017 when it was off Broadway is like that K-pop really has still not taken off in America yet at the mm. time. It's now 2022. K-pop has taken off. We like I said, we have the groups already of BTS, yeah. Blackpink, who's had stardom here. 
They're selling out shows here. They're having their moments here. So this storyline is dated now mm. for this. Oh, we're going to America to put on this show when K-pop's already here. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of take ourselves back a few years now, too, to try to say, oh, okay, no, this is supposed to be, like, pre-K-pop in America. But that's why it's like, okay, they want to ride on the coattails of Luna's character as the two groups that are going to open up for Yeah, and then I'm thinking to myself, maybe a really cool immersion-style film would have worked for this. I I don't know. To me, I'm just... And this is just a broad statement, but... I am having a really difficult time with books of jukebox and documentary style musicals lately. Yeah. I'm really having a problem with them. Me, something that was, I did like some of the book scenes in Beautiful, the Carol King musical. Um, like I'm thinking of some that I kind of like. There was a couple of book scenes in Tina that I didn't mind. But sometimes I'm, I, I'm just, not sure what's going on. It's like they're putting so much time and money into the production numbers. And then we get to a book scene and it's almost like, take five. You know, let's let's just take a few minutes. Let's just rush the scene because it's a book musical and it's not a concert. And that's how I felt here. Like there was no treatment of respect for the plot. I don't really get what's going on with that. You well, know? I think, yeah, when we're looking at some of these books... It's like, where's the development in that? Because I'm going to say something, too. The music doesn't contribute to mm, no. what the actual storyline no. is. The music is really good K-pop music on a Broadway stage, but it doesn't really drive the story but anywhere. W- where did, w- the lyric does nothing for the plot. Right, now, this is going to be a really bad example, but... <laughs> So I, I, sometimes we always refer back to one of the OG jukebox musicals, Mamma Mia, and we think back to like someone had to make the lyrics of already existing ABBA songs work with what was going on in the plot. Yeah. So like for a prime example, Mamma Mia, here I go again. Oh, she's her three ex-husbands just shut up, Mama. Like it, it made sense, but then like it's different. It, but it's different. I know that. But what I'm saying is then like you have something like Jersey Boys, where like the lyrics of the songs like have nothing to do with the plot. So I think there's a way that you can make lyrics of the songs and shows like this make sense with the plot because sometimes it works and sometimes it literally doesn't exist in relation to the plot. I and I don't, you know what I'm trying I to get say? What you're saying, yeah, uh, but this doesn't really count as a jukebox. Music no, I know that because I think. What I'm having the issue with here in this show is this is an original storyline with original music. And why did we write songs that have nothing to do with the plot? I know. It's not a jukebox. I understand. It's not a jukebox. I guess the point I'm also trying to make is we're talking about an original score and the lyrics are still not working towards the plot. So it's even not really making sense to me. (laughs) It doesn't make sense because the book scenes are not great. So if the book scenes are not great, maybe we should have music that's going to drive the plot right. of the show. And they're not. They're just the songs that these K-pop groups are performing, which I really enjoyed the music. I think the music was great. I think the choreo was great. I think the lighting was great. But that's me going to a K-pop concert. Right. Not me right. going to a full-fledged, thought-out K-pop right. mus- uh, musical. Right. Right. I want to see, take me on the roller coaster of the emotions of this. Take me on the journey. And I got to intermission and I was like, okay, I don't know how this ends now. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I wasn't, but what happens at the end is, meh, I mean, 
I didn't think the projections and the lights and the fans blowing and all that could get it and costume reveals could get any more. And then at the last 10 minutes, they like threw the book literally out the window and we're just at the concert. Which, not trying to bring this back to jukebox musicals, but that's how the end of Mamma Mia is. That's how the end of Jersey Boys is. It's like, I'm at, Tina, it's like, I'm at the concert. And like, that's what, but but how many people leave a show now, a day, is it the last 5, 10, 15 years and say, oh my God, I left the show feeling great. I was on my feet. I was like, I was at the concert. Yeah. And that's almost like what people want. So it's like, when you look at it, it's like, I don't really need to leave a Broadway show every time feeling like I'm at a concert. I'd rather go to a concert and feel that way. I don't know. I just... Well, that's why I think this is doing a little bit of a disservice because, yeah, I'll just go to the Blackpink concert or I'll just go to the BTS concert. And and enjoy that and and see that and like that. But I don't know why... I'm saying why I think this does a disservice to it because I would have loved to have seen a really great thought-out musical... That is now using the K-pop style of music and bringing it to the stage. We have it done with pop. We've had it done with hip-hop. We've had it done with country. We've had it done with rock. All of those genres of music have made it to the Broadway stage in their own style of Mm -hmm. musical, not just a concert style. Right. And I think where they kind of missed the mark here was that. It's like this was still done as a K-pop concert instead of writing music in theater form. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, but but I will also say I think w- at what point in the process did the designers and the writers say we're going to move this to Broadway, the experience the audience member has sitting in the same chair for two and a half hours is going to drastically change. And at one point did someone say doesn't like don't you th- don't you get the vibe that someone in the room at some point said it doesn't matter. It's Broadway. We don't want to Broadway. Okay, yes, but do you not hear that there's no... You have, let me ask you this question, Jeff. Did the work get... Did the integrity of the work get sacrificed by moving to a commercial Broadway house? I think so. From what we hear, anyway, of the off-Broadway that we did not see. I think so. And that's because a shame. I because sometimes think... it's the opposite. It no, goes, I think... You know... Think about Little Shop of Pars. Mm. Everyone loves it off-Broadway. Everyone loves it in a small-style theater. And what were the kind of complaints when it moved to Broadway? It was very commercial. And the plant was... I saw it. And the plant was huge. The plant came out over the audience. It was this, like, Universal Studios epic moment, kind of. And people were like, okay, cool, but... But they liked the small, immersive-style thing. Think of something like a strange loop. It worked in a smaller space. Be more chill works in a smaller space. These smaller immersive things yeah. where they can create these. Even the Lightning Thief. All of these shows that had really great off-Broadway runs, but they want to get it to Broadway. Mm-hmm. What's interesting with this is they created a completely different experience with the show. Right. When it was off-Broadway. Right. And that you were part of the show. You moved through the show. But I We've still heard people say you moved through the show. I, what doesn't work here is trying to take elements of that and putting it into a show. Because we saw it. They became flashback moments, which was another cliche Broadway mm-hmm. thing to do. Okay, we're going to do flashbacks mm-hmm. here now. And I hate to say the word cliche, but it is. 
It really is. To do things like, oh, okay, well, why don't we just do it as a flashback? How many shows have we seen where it's just flashback, flashback, flashback? Like, we don't care. And that's very jukebox to do. And here's another thing. Like, I don't know. As I'm sitting here talking about this, I keep thinking of, like, what in, in the three audience sections, left, right, center, could a platform have been built? And could vignette scenes have been – you take out 20 seats by doing that. But could you have put maybe little mini playing areas scattered throughout the seating areas? And a, and a flashback scene happens in the audience, but then reality happens center. And you're looking to the left. And you're looking behind you. And you're looking up. And you're looking all over. And maybe there could have been a more immersive way than just throw a video up, throw yeah. a video screen up to me. Oh, come on. You're I just going to throw a video screen up and that's how we're going to go backstage? Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't work for me. I you, I think that's a dumbing down of an audience in 2022. We are smarter than that. I still think I it's know. an interesting thing to bring, though, and want it to be on the Broadway stage. I just th- wish that it was more thought out. Yeah. And if they didn't want it to kind of have that full Broadway production style thing where they really thought about the show and they really wrote it as a Broadway musical, they should have found a different venue to go to that had a sit-down experience. Think like Sleep No More or Mm -hmm. Queen of the Night. Mm -hmm. Like, go and have K-pop the musical off-Broadway where people can have that really immersive experience because I think people still like immersion. And I think people still, and I, I think I would have totally felt differently maybe about the plot, but also the, mu- the music, maybe it would have been cool to see people dancing around me and singing around me because I did, like I said, I did think some of the songs were great and the singing is great. Yeah. There's some great tight harmonies in there. I will also say Jennifer Weber's choreography, who she's also doing the Anne Juliet choreography right now at the same time. I think that's actually an amazing thing that you're making your Broadway statement here with two very different shows at the same time. That's very cool too. Um, but I, I I just feel like at some point we have to address a little bit of an elephant in the room here and say, we, well, I wanted to see, because if you're going to take out less, more of the immersion, then I think that we should have beefed up the, beefed up the plot more a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think we should have been on a little bit more of a journey of following Luna's character through and take me on more of an experience and maybe not make, and sometimes I hate to say this too, some of the set changes were like blackout, walk off stage, lights up. On stage, take me on the immersive journey through a scene change instead uh, of throw a video up and then watch yeah. people leave a stage. I think if we're like to break this down real quick, if we're going in here and we're supposed to dive into what the factory style Korean pop look is, I needed 10 more people from the business side of things in this show. Mm-hmm. Not Maybe I probably didn't need the two groups. I needed a group and the solo star. I needed to watch what it is like to be a machine in the K-pop space. Like, what are these business people? Because you can't tell me it's just one woman who's running one whole factory by herself. No, no, no. We need to see what the choreography is doing, what the vocal training is doing, what the look is doing, what the branding is doing, all of these things. We needed to see that. But also... And we needed to see the rigorous life that these pop stars, these K-pop stars, really want to go through from young age to old age and then take us there. Say, okay, this is how hard it is. And then we need to see those actors break down and say, this is too hard. But also, we're also realizing that how cool is the entrance into that theater? You walk off the, the street, 
You go down an escalator, literally underground, literally immersing yourself underground. Yeah. Why couldn't the lobby been more of an immersive experience at least? Yeah. Hey, you're here for behind the scenes. We got to see your ticket. Let's go. Camera's rolling right. in five. Let's go. Right. Oh, that would have been kind of a cool moment. Nothing was immersive right. about anything until I sat down and the lights went down. But and that's then they, what I'm saying. Like, take us into the factory. The world. Right. Take us there. Right. If that's what you're trying to say with it, right. Because you can right. do it on right. a Broadway stage still. And if yeah. that's the and if Circle in the Square is the place to do that. Mm-hmm. We had people in Oklahoma literally walk down onto the stage and get stew and then go or right. chili and then right. go back to their right. seat and eat it. Right. You can do whatever you yeah. want in that theater. Yeah. There's yeah. so much potential for yeah, especially Something since like you're that. literally going into another world, under the grounds yeah. of New York City in an underground Broadway house. And that's where I also needed to probably see a little bit more of the competitiveness, probably more between the groups and the solo artists, mm-hmm. not just the competitiveness within the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I needed to see that. Yeah, yeah. So... so. Oh my gosh, we're running out of time already and this is flying by. But yeah, I mean, we'll just wrap up here. I think we learned, I've learned some new things about the K-pop pop space a little bit yeah. here and some of your knowledge. I think I, you know, I always love to learn about new stories and new cultures on a Broadway stage. And so I do appreciate seeing the casting, seeing the story being told. Uh, there's no doubt about it that it's a great um, feat to be able to get on Broadway and doing something like this. Oh, yeah. I just had some issues with the way it was done and I think I would have done it very differently. Yeah, and I think maybe there could have been a little bit more um, back scene work on if we're going to bring this to a commercial Broadway house, let's not just change one, two, three things and go. Let's really think about this a second time through. You know? Yeah, and I always go back to that kind of question we ask at something, and it is, what are we supposed to be leaving that theater yeah. feeling, feeling, and thinking, and thinking? Are we supposed to be thinking, oh wow, the K-pop industry is hard? Those performers are, mm. you know, working to the bone, but every performer is. So you can't just turn around and say it's just the K-pop. So I, I'm leaving there and I'm saying, okay, well, that's the music industry. Mm. You know, it's hard. Mm. It's hard. And around the world, people are going through the same training mm. to be the best artist out there. So if that's what I'm supposed to leave feeling from the K-pop world, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But if there's something else, I didn't find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it. Yeah. But I do really, you know, my little roundup here is I really do appreciate seeing something like this because I think there is a message in this story. I think there's a great moral in this story. I just wish they found it more. Yeah. And they were able to kind of display that to the audience members that are seeing yep. this show. Yeah. You yeah. know? And who knows, we might be seeing other stories like this told, and we'll see, you know, and we'll see how the reviews come out as we're recording this. I don't think it's opened yet, so Mm -hmm. we'll see how it does, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, and I think that it, you know, I think some people will see the show and they're going to absolutely love it. Yeah. You know, and then some people will say, "Mm, yeah, they might have the same feelings as us. You know, we always want to know what you think. Yeah, well, that's why we see this show. Make sure you check us out, definitely, at Half Hour Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for the latest and comment and let us know what you think. We always love to know what you're thinking as well. 
um, a few more uh, pop music episodes coming up before the holidays here. We have a, quite a few more Broadway show episode releases coming out too. So lots of great things going on. We've been, we've had a very busy fall yes. <laughs> and it's been great. And another, and the spring is coming, you know, we got a lot of things coming in the spring too. So thank you all. We hope you enjoyed today. Thanks for listening. And um, I guess that's about all for now. So signing off for now, uh, saying ta-ta. I am Richie. And I am Jeff. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.